This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. A bizarre conspiracy, and one of my favorites personally, involving the Star Wars trilogy. Are there really two Luke Skywalkers? And then the question about UFOs. What are they? Where do they come from? has puzzled people for decades. However, a recently declassified document from Britain may have all the answers we need. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Let's talk about... To Luke's. I love this conspiracy theory. I heard about this conspiracy theory a long time ago. And, you know, it just kind of gets lost in the in the maze of my mind to hear about it. I thought it was hilarious. And then, recently, I got a notification, an email on Twitter from at DruthersCA. And Druthers goes, thank you for the recommendation. Druthers goes, have you ever heard of Bigger Luke? And I was like, yes. Yes, I have. A long time ago, he was a good friend. Let's explore the world of Bigger Luke. Let's hop on board. You know what? We don't have a space vehicle. Let me think here for a second. I'd say Jason Jumper, like, jumps in a light speed or hyperspace, but that actually sounds like something a baby would be in. Tell you what. You guys come up with a space vehicle for us. Whoever has the best suggestion, I'll talk about it. I'll announce it. It'd be totally awesome. But for now... But for now... We're going to break into a U.S. facility. We're going to steal their space shuttle. Come on, go, go. I'll cover you. I'm shooting blinks because they are U.S. servicemen. They're like, ow, ow. I won't kill you, but I will stop you. And then I accidentally hit one in the head. And he's not moving. He's all bloody. You're like, Jason, you killed him. I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. We go. We get in the space shuttle. Fly away. Oh, great. Great start to an episode. You guys are like, getting ready to hold trial for treason. I'm like, no, before we have my trial, we have to go to Tatooine. (laughs) Space shuttle goes to hyperspace, and we're now in a galaxy far, far away. I wonder what the official name of the Star Wars galaxy is. I'm sure some nerd knows it is. It's Titan 9 or something. There has to be a name for it, like Kleidos or something. But anyways, it doesn't matter. (laughs) Nerds, email me on that, too, the name of the Star Wars galaxy we're now flying over Tatooine so we're on Tatooine and we're checking out the scene now this theory came about because you know there was a time when you would go see a movie the movie theater and go whoa that was awesome and then you might buy a ticket to go see it again but once it was out of the theater you never saw it again the movie was gone but when VCRs came out and then Star Wars was released on VHS in 82 you had the ability to watch the movie over and over and over and over again and some people Shocker, sit down for this news, were obsessed with the movie. I know, I didn't know that until I started researching this story. And so people began watching these movies over and over again, and they're looking for every detail. It's funny, I was thinking about doing this. I saw a movie the other night called Identity Theft of a Cheerleader. 
I was actually, it was compelling enough that I told my little brother about it. You could tell that everyone, it was for a Lifetime Channel movie of the week. Everyone in the movie, behind the scenes and in front of the camera, gave 110%, but it just had a terrible, it had a really low budget, and it had that really flat lighting that all like Lifetime Channel movies have. But I, I, you, it was very, it was funny because it was a really, really good movie. It was like watching a marathon runner run with 80 pounds strapped to his back. Because you could tell everyone was really, really trying, but it was just hobbled by the format. And I was thinking, I think I might watch that movie just as a thought experiment. Watch it 30 nights in a row and see what I pick up on it. Because it's interesting enough, and the lead actress, she it's this 30-year-old woman who pretends to be a cheerleader. And I think I did a story on that, actually. That's how I found out about this movie. I did a story about that. And uh, this movie is based on a true story. But in this movie, she's like hitting, she's killing people with a frying pan as well. But he had a really hot actress and everything like that. If I watched this movie for 30 days in a row, I think I would have a, a bigger cheerleader. <laughs> well, I definitely would have some bigger cheerleader interesting dreams. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Okay, let's get back to the topic. People were watching the movie over and over and over again. And they started to notice something. In some scenes, Luke is a couple inches taller than he is in other scenes. Not extremely giant, but just oddly tall. And they begin to talk to each other and they go, we know how tall Harrison Ford is normally. And then there are some scenes where Luke is standing next to Harrison Ford. He's always shorter than Harrison Ford. But sometimes he's a little more shorter than he is in other scenes. Now, you figure, maybe he's standing on something different. Maybe he's leaning in a different way. But they're able to, this group of people, and again, back then, you'd have to, like, write letters to each other. There was no internet. You'd meet people that you knew in the area, or you would start writing each other because you were part of some sci-fi club through correspondence. People started to say, hey, listen, Luke changes sizes. Not every other scene, but it's consistent enough that I think there's two Lukes. Now, some people, and this is where people broke into two different camps. Some people say, what it is that, yes, there are, he is at different sizes, but sometimes it's a stand-in actor. It's a different actor coming in. And the other group says, no, 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 no. We believe there's actually two Luke Skywalkers. There is a short Luke and a tall Luke. And there sometimes the short Luke will walk around a corner, and then the big Luke comes back. So there's actually two Luke Skywalkers in the Skywalker movie. And you're thinking, Jason, that's that's stupid. But, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. So Luke is on the Millennium Falcon, and he's holding a lightsaber. There's this little droid flying. I know some of you guys know exactly where this is going. This little droid's flying around. Shoot lasers, and he's blocking them. And he, that's his first time of really using the Force, because he's blindfolded, and he's... Puts the lightsaber away. And Obi-Wan turns to him and says, You've taken your first step into a larger world. Hmm? Hmm? He says that. When Luke Skywalker first meets Princess Leia, him and Han Solo are dressed up as stormtroopers. And you guys all know this line. She's laying there in that sexy Princess Leia pose. Door comes up. We see two stormtroopers standing there. And Leia says... Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? You're like, Jason, come on. Seriously. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The bigger, the bigger, 
<laughs> the bigger Luke theory I love so much. And to be honest, I don't know if it... They say that it started in 1985. I think it's a LARP, I think, which is a live-action role-playing thing. I think it's... I don't know if it really started back in 1985. It could be a parody of conspiracy theories and people who are obsessed with film. Because we obviously can't go back and prove that. And people have talked about maybe this was spread on, like, AOL chat rooms and Yahoo chat rooms back in the day and all the evidence has been destroyed. And that's when you're getting into weirdo conspiracy beliefs. I mean, this is this is weird enough, but... Whenever you say, oh no, it's totally true, but all the documentation up until this very moment was destroyed, eh, you're really kind of losing me there. But that's not all. That's not all, okay? So apparently, I love this so much, because you're never going to be able to watch this scene again the same way. There's a scene on Empire Strikes Back where Lando, who is considered like he's a professional gambler, so he has an eye for things, right? He can really see the details. He can look for the little things. Tell if someone's bluffing. He's walking by and he sees Luke come around the corner and start shooting. And Lando doesn't really even react to this because he knows everything's going to hell. He tried, Darth Vader's not holding up his side of the bargain. Luke's coming here to rescue his friends. He just kind of looks at Luke, doesn't really react. But the next time we see Lando look at Luke, Luke's still running around shooting people. Lando has this expression. He looks over at Luke and then he. Kind of goes, hmm? Now, even though Luke is doing the exact same thing he was doing just a minute ago, i.e. shooting stormtroopers, the second time he sees him, his the expression on his face is like, hmm, something's different about him. And then he just walks away. So bigger Luke theorists believe that that's what he's responding to. He realizes this guy's a few inches tall, and he's like, hmm, interesting. So here we go. Why are there two Lukes? Why are there two Lukes? So. They, of course, you have to have theories. One of them is that Luke is creating a force projection. Now, this theory does predate The Last Jedi. I don't know if it goes all the way back to 1985, but it definitely predates The Last Jedi. Because I remember reading about it years ago. So it's at least it's at least 10 years old, if not more. And anyways, the idea is, is that Luke Skywalker, when Princess Leia says, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? That hurt his feelings, so he created a holographic version of himself that's bigger. To be in additional scenes. That is an okay conspiracy theory. But I love this one even more. So R2-D2 learned how to clone throughout the prequels. Because he's hanging out on Kamino. He's going on all these adventures. Especially on the Clone Wars. He's going on seven seasons of adventures. He learns how to clone. And he's the only guy who remembers really everything. From the beginning to the events of Star Wars. So he has a cloning facility. On Tatooine, and that's why when the ship crashes, or when the escape pod crashes, R2-D2 goes in one direction, and C-3PO goes in the other direction. R2-D2's like, no, I gotta go this way. I'm headed to my cloning center. And at that cloning center, he has cloned Bigger Luke. What Bigger Luke is, it's if things get really rough, Bigger Luke can show up and kind of fight more. And that way, if Luke dies, then the, the clone will just take over. And so whenever... One of the Lukes is getting in too much trouble. They're instantly teleported back to the cloning facility. And then the it's instantaneous, too. So you'll never know. No one will ever turn around the corner and see it happening. Bigger Luke appears. And you go, that's stupid, Jason. They don't have teleportation in Star Wars. They don't ever do... Up, up. In A New Hope, Luke... They're talking about getting off the planet Tatooine. Luke says, not unless you can alter time, speed up the harvest, or... 
teleport me off this rock. So teleportation does exist in the Star Wars universe. R2-D2 has the key to it. And you go, Jason, that is genius. <laughs> now, I didn't come up with that, but that is genius. R2-D2 is the key to all of this stuff. But it's just, people are grabbing a couple lines or thinking this stuff about R2 and all this stuff. Last Jedi promo shot. There's a picture of Luke Skywalker standing next to R2-D2. Mark Hamill himself tweets this. There's a picture of him back in 1977 standing next to R2-D2. R2-D2 comes up to his belly button. Then the picture of him for the Last Jedi promo shot, R2-D2 only comes up to his waist. And he tweets, Have I been growing taller over the years? Or has R2-D2 just been shrinking? You decide. Hashtag larger Luke theory. Is there really really two Lukes? Did he actually acknowledge the existence of two Luke Skywalker? He also said that he hated Ryan Johnson's take on... This has nothing to do with the conspiracy theory. I just think it's funny. He hated Ryan Johnson's take on Luke Skywalker in The Last Jedi. And so he just called him Jake Skywalker. He played him as a totally different character. So now there's even a theory that after the Battle of Endor, Luke went somewhere and his clone became Jake Skywalker. So is there... And he eventually apologized for those comments. But is there any truth to the fact that there were two Luke Skywalkers. So, you may have hated the sequel trilogy, but know that somewhere out there, the smaller Luke, the Luke that we really know and love, is out in the galaxy. The man who died on the rock because he made his hologram appear in front of his nephew, or whatever, who fell off the rock and disappeared, he's dead. That was Jake Skywalker. Luke Skywalker, the real Skywalker, is still out there walking through the sky. I love that conspiracy theory, though. But that took an awful lot of time. So, let's return to Earth. We're leaving by Tatooine. We see Luke Skywalker. We're like, bye, Luke. And he's waving to us. And then we see another Luke in the shadows waving at us. We're like, ooh, there is some truth to it. <laughs> We're back on Earth now. We, we just land the space shuttle in a parking lot. We're in Britain. We're headed to Britain. This was a really interesting story that I kind of just stumbled across, and it was on an article from the Washington Examiner. It was called, The Real Reason the U.S. Government is So Secretive About UFOs. And it basically boiled down to this. We don't know what they are, so we're trying to figure that out. And we don't want to reveal what we already know to the public, because whatever this is could be weaponized. So we know a little bit more than the public does about this stuff. So if we release what we know, then China and Russia are like, oh, we didn't have those additional pieces of the puzzle. So they're holding on to their pieces of the puzzle, and we're holding on to our pieces of the puzzle, and nobody wants to share. And I'm reading this article, I go, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think, and let me start off by saying this, at this point, we kind of have to start really making some determinations over what UFOs really are. In from the 1950s, to the 1980s, maybe 90s, like, you could say it's space aliens. Like, these are crafts from another planet. They're carrying these space aliens and stuff like that. But after 50, 60 years, and we don't have any definitive proof, it's really moving into Bigfoot territory. We're really, like, we'll find, like, a, a, a footprint, like, here's melted glass where I saw a spaceship. And we'll, that's an interesting, actually, example. That's the same thing as a Bigfoot footprint at this point. 
Now, UFOs have the added storytelling advantage. I'm not using storytelling facetiously, but it's it's storytelling advantage of you have people interacting with the occupants of the UFOs. But those are very rare. When we look at UFO stories overall, I avoid those at this point because they're so commonplace. As far as like... The the average, like, looking up in the sky and seeing the bright lights and seeing the giant object in the sky is the equivalent of, I saw, I was walking down a hallway and I saw a, a shadow at the end of the hallway. It's creepy and it's interesting, but it's, you, there's more interesting stuff, especially to talk about on a podcast. That would get super old if I just kept telling you about lights in the sky. But at a certain point, from 1945 till now, we have no definitive proof whatsoever about what UFOs are any more than we have definitive proof about uh, Bigfoots or even ghosts. I think ghosts are more of a personal paranormal thing, and I think those are far easier to, I don't want to say dispute, but to explain. Even all the ghost stories and demonic stories that I've told, I think probably have a rational explanation that I haven't figured out yet. Now, going back to the story, I find the story absolutely fascinating. I'm reading this Washington Examiner article. I'm like, ah, oh, it's fairly interesting, but is it worth really talking about on the show? Then they have a link to a document, a document created by the British government. Oh, and I want to give a shout out to the author of the article, Tom Rogan, because it really set me on the path and gave me a framework for doing this story. I don't want to plagiarize, but I'm going to be quoting quite a lot of stuff in his sources and stuff on this. The military, you know, we did an episode on this a while back where Trump was like, I don't believe in aliens. I, I That was a... That was a huge moment for the UFO community. It really was. And I know people kind of brushed it off. But that was a, to have the President of the United States actively go, yeah, they've talked to me about it, but I really don't believe in it. That was massive. That would be the equivalent of the Pope going, yeah, I think I don't believe in ghosts. Like, yeah, angels and demons, but I think when you die, you're in heaven and hell. Ghosts don't exist. That It would be... For especially like Catholic uh, Catholics who are into the paranormal would be like, oh, that sucks. Like I kind of have to listen to this dude. Trump's not <laughs> Trump's not the Pope of UFOs, but you know what I mean to have it because that's always been the conspiracy theory. Oh, you know the president goes and he knows he's met with aliens, shaking Gray's hand, something like that. Trump's like, nah, it didn't happen. Now you could say Trump was lying, he was covering it up, but I mean, like at a certain, we have to make certain allowances for this stuff. So for Trump to even I think if, I don't want to get too much into that side, but there was a big moment, and a lot of people have just kind of buried it, but he's like, yeah, I don't believe it. So the military, for the most part, just thinks it's something weird that's going on out there. They don't actually think that it's alien, alien craft, it's something. So all of that being said, Britain did, did this big, st- every country's done a study on this. India's had to look into it. Iran definitely had to look into it. We did an episode about their nuclear power plants and UFOs flying around. So, any country that has any sort of budget whatsoever is going to look into this stuff. Now, Britain looks into this, and they wrote up a report, and they classified it, as you would with this type of thing. But eventually, the report gets declassified, and it is fascinating. The link is in the show notes. It's actually quite a short report. It's called the Unidentified Aerial... That, that's, generally how, that's generally how the United States and Britain will call them. They don't call them UFOs. They call them Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon, which is... Quite different. Quite different. It sounds like the same terminology, but what we're going to get into, there's a difference between an object and phenomenon. A kite is an object. A phenomenon is some sort of weather event. So I'm going to read some quotes from this um, investigation from this paper because it's really fascinating the way they're looking at this stuff. 
Here's the first quote talking about foreign governments, Russia and China specifically. Quote, Russia, former Soviet republics, and Chinese authorities have made a coordinated effort to understand the UAP topic. Several aircraft have been destroyed, and at least four pilots have been killed chasing UFOs. The importance of the topic has resulted in appointment of astronauts and senior pilots, as well as senior scientists to carry out investigations. Russian investigators have measured or at least detected fields, which are reported to have caused human effects when they are located close to the phenomenon. The first part is interesting because we have this confirmation that, and I don't think it surprises anyone that occasionally a pilot dies chasing these unidentified objects, whether it is collisions or they're simply pushing their engine too hard or whatever, but they're saying that because people have died and because jets have been destroyed, that other countries take this as seriously as the West does. Now, the second part is where they were talking about Russia has detected these fields around this phenomenon. So as, as they're flying up on this object, they're able to measure something. Something's coming off of these things. Now, what is this something? This paper actually thinks that it has the answer for what UFOs are, what the objects in the sky, the bright lights are. But we're going to get there in a second. So what they're looking at is, where do we tend to see UFOs? Where do you tend to see UFOs? What they're picking up on is they go, military bases, nuclear power plants. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, is it because they're monitoring our bases and stuff like that? They go, wait, let us finish. Let us finish, dude. Nuclear-powered aircraft carriers, battle fleets out in the ocean, still military. Cars in the middle of nowhere, planes 20,000 feet or higher in the air. So how do you get the car in the middle of nowhere versus the nuclear-powered aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean? Britain thinks that the phenomenon is some sort of plasma charge that is created in the atmosphere around isolated electronic events. Basically, that's why we see them in the areas we see them. The lone car driving in the middle. That's why you don't see, for the most part, UFOs in downtown Chicago. But when you have a car driving through the middle of Kentucky at night, the glowing object following the car or appearing off in the distance, whether it's small or big, it's some sort of plasma charge. It's not from another dimension. It's not a spacecraft. There's no one on it. It's simply there. They said the black triangle, which is very common, it has the lights on the end. It's like a triangle, and there's a light on each corner of the triangle. They say that is a very common... uh, The plasma charge can actually block out light in the middle and make lights appear around it. So it looks like a massive object, but what you're really seeing is basically three plasma balls that are distorting everything else around it. Can these things be interacted with? They said when we're looking at it, during their investigation, they said they found 100 unexplained Royal Air, which is the British Air Force's Royal Air Force, 100 unexplained Royal Air Force fatal accident reports. 100 planes that crashed, not passenger jets, but like fighter jets and transport planes and stuff like that, that crashed and they have no, no known reason why. They said... These accidents don't seem like they hit something physical. Maybe, maybe they hit a bird and we detected. Maybe it was something so small we didn't detect it. But they go, it could have been flying and it hit plasma. 
it hit this electrical charge in the middle of the sky, and the plane goes down. And no one can radio for it, no one can report it. The plane crashes completely unexplained. Now, those hundred accidents were over the course of decades. So it wasn't like within the course of a year or anything like that. But just looking back, a hundred, they had all these unexplained accidents, a hundred of them, and they go, maybe it's this phenomenon. And that would explain, too, why fighter jets in other countries have been knocked out of the sky by these things as well. It'd also be why you can't catch up to them, because it's an electrical phenomenon, and you're creating it. The UFO doesn't exist unless the plane is in the sky, or the aircraft carrier is on the ground. And going to the whole thing about the Tic Tac UFO flying around that Nimitz battle fleet back in, I think it was 2016, may have been even farther back, and that's just when the story came out. Imagine the pure electrical field around that battle group. That group had the greatest sensor net ever to exist on the planet. That was the entire point of that exercise was to test out how that fleet worked together. And we have never, never in the history of the planet Earth have there been that many tools and high-tech things to observe. It created a perfect bubble around the fleet. They knew everything that was going on. So that's why the theory was that the Tic Tac was either a black ops from the United States or from another government. They wanted to see if the object they built could beat the greatest eye ever invented by the human race. Or all of that electricity created this phenomenon. So Russia says that these they can measure some sort of field around these plasma objects, right? And let me go a little bit more into the plasma thing here, too, to give you a little more idea of this isn't just some magical new electricity they've made up. Let me read you this quote. The researchers note that plasmas may be formed by more than one set of weather and electrically charged conditions. And then it goes on to say it could also be a meteor that's coming into the atmosphere and doesn't burn up completely but basically shoots off this electrical burst, and then it continues here. These plasma formations are also theorized to have the effect of refracting light between themselves, producing the appearance of black polygonal shape with the lights at the corners caused by self-generated plasma coloration. So, that's going back to the black triangle thing. So, there has been old studies as well where the government was trying to line up they're basically trying to create giant holograms in the sky using plasma. It goes back to the whole Project Blue Beam thing, which we did an episode on. And they wanted a way to add voices to it. So you can make a religious figure appear over a battlefield. Tell people, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. At the very least, freak them out. And the most, you might end a battle or end a war. So we've been working with plasma. I'm sure other governments have, have as well. To direct it as... A, a hologram in the sky. And what the British paper is saying is that nature's already doing that for us. It's just random. And this is where I was going before I interrupted myself with the Russian effect. The Russian was detecting the field around these plasma charges. Here's a continuing of this quote. And th- this is fascinating. They've been able to study this on the ground. Quote, local fields of this type, and this is a plasma field, and they said they don't know if it's electric, electromagnetic field. They said it could be some sort of other unknown type of energy that this is that these plasma charges give off. But what we've been able to conclude on Earth experimenting with plasma, back to the quote here, local fields of this type have been medically proven to cause responses in the temporal lobes of the human brain. 
These results in the observer sustaining his or her own vivid, but mainly incorrect description of what is experienced. This is suggested to be a key factor in influencing the more extreme reports found in the media and are clearly believed by the quote-unquote victims. What if this is true? This could be the biggest discovery. When was this article written? So the article Tom Rogan wrote just came out in December 2019. But the paper that he's talking about came out in 2006. This is possibly the end of all UFOlogy and possibly even paranormal activity. A plasma field is generated and it messes with your head and gives you false memories. It would be the greatest weapon of war. You don't bleed, no bones are breaking, no one dies, but you can change their mind. They actually believe stuff that didn't happen. Kids playing soccer in Russia see a bunch of robots land in the middle of the park. Hallucination. Betty and Barney Hill driving down the road and a bright light appears above them and they have this wild tale to tell about being up on a spaceship. Hallucination. A group of paranormal investigators walking in with their electrical equipment or maybe just some flashlights in an abandoned insane asylum and it's electrically charged. And plasma is formed. And hallucination said it. Now, to be fair, generally plasma charges don't form that low to the ground. So it wouldn't be like you're on the second floor of an insane asylum, and on the third floor there's a glowing ball. But, I mean, if there is a phenomenon that is created by man, because they're using electricity, they're u- they're unleashing this force of nature, they're basically, they're the humanity using technology is the flint to ignite something that's already possibly there, it explains so much why the UFO phenomenon really took off after we started dropping nukes. It wasn't because aliens saw the nukes and wanted to come down and help us out or they were worried about us. It's that the sky is more charged now than it ever was. All that carbon dating stuff doesn't work after 1945 because everything's irradiated. If you want to have metal to build Geiger counters, like you have to dig up boats from World War I when Germany scuttled their navy. Because everything else is completely irradiated. Everything's charged. Makes so much sense. It makes sense why people see UFOs in the middle of nowhere. It's because there's nothing there and they're charging the area, not with any sort of spiritual energy, but with actual energy. And it's interacting. It's an atmospheric phenomenon that's messing with people's head. This is a game changer. If this is true, this is a game changer because it not only explains not only explains UFOs, it explains everything. It explains ghosts and Bigfoot and cryptids and all of that stuff. Does Bigfoot rustle around in the woods unless there's a human there to observe it? Now, you could go back. Let's play devil's advocate. The, the natives who were here, and, and, native, and you can go back and there's cryptid stories way, way back, you know, hundreds of years and stuff like that. The natives here who had stories of the Yeti and Bigfoot and things like that. They weren't carrying around Walkmans. They didn't have Palm Pilots on them. So, yes, that's true. But, also, when you look back at native populations, they weren't talking a lot about UFOs. Oh, you can show me some Egyptian hieroglyphic with a helicopter on it. 
that all that stuff's been debunked. I know Ancient Aliens is a big show, but I think on my fifth episode, I had a link to a documentary called Ancient Aliens Debunked. It's like six hours long. I recommend all of you guys to watch it. It really, really just takes the wind out of all of those theories. The Nazca lines explain super in detail, explains all of that stuff. The UFO phenomenon, and I recently did an episode on airships, but again, that was kind of like, a lot of people think that was yellow journalism. A lot of people think that was newspapers just making up stories because that's what they did back then. That's what they do now. So, does this end? Is this the answer to all paranormal questions? I don't know. I don't know. It may be, they may be onto something. They may be wrong. This might be able to explain some UFO encounters and not all of them. It may be able to explain everything. We don't know. But the idea of false memories being put in your head is always a scary one. It's the one thing we can cling on to is the reality we've constructed. And so if it can be intruded upon by a natural phenomenon at any point in time, what can you believe? Maybe it's not the truth is out there when we're looking for aliens. Maybe the truth is in here. In us. Our own brains. The truth is realizing that this is all a plasma-charged illusion. You are the only person who's really there. This voice, this podcast, it's just an echo that you've created in your own mind. And and if that is a case, you have a duty to keep on living. Because once you die, the hallucination is over and the rest of us disappear into nothingness. Save us. You're our only hope. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Bye.